Father in heaven, many have come. Many are hungry. And Lord, as we lifted up your name in praise, we pray it was a glorious thing for you to hear. And we just ask you, Lord, in this day, in this week, in these hours that we have together, let your presence be manifest, be obvious, be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. going to read one verse to begin out of Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Abandon. Reckless abandon. Abandon ship. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. That last quote is from Dante, who wrote many years ago in depth about hell. He was all conjecture, really. But this one point that he made that I thought was not necessarily bad, still conjecture. He said that at the gates of hell was the phrase, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. The notion of our theme this week, and the books were opened, is intricately tied to the idea of abandonment. And I'd like to explore that this evening with the help of the Lord. As I prayed about this evening, I knew a lot of people here are tired. A lot of travel hours under your belt. I knew that Camp sometimes takes some time to get rolling. But I thought it would be important for me to lay a little groundwork for this week. To make sure you understand exactly where you are with relation to the idea of the books being opened. Looking through the lessons for this week, I had an advanced look at them. I was impressed with how they were put together. I think you'll be blessed. 
They talk about a number of different books. Some of the books have already been opened. Others have yet to be opened. When you think about it, as a child and you sit down uh, maybe on a couch with your mom or your dad and they, they put a book in front of you, you're excited about that book being opened because you know there's an adventure in there. Certain books that we're going to talk about tonight don't necessarily carry that level of excitement. In fact, certain books will carry with them a sense of trepidation or worry as they're opened. Romans 3 verse 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 23, skipping down, says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This first book I'm going to briefly touch on is the book of the law. It tells us that that's what God wanted us to keep to be justified. No man could keep it. And so that first book, that has been opened many years now, is a book that reveals to us our state, our inability to keep it, our condemnation. You know, we had a conversation at the dinner table a while back about sin and the sinful nature of man and that all men are sinners and need to go to the Lord. And my youngest, after the conversation was done, said, but we're not that bad. And I, I understand why he said it because, you know, we don't want to believe that we're that bad. And yet, the reality is, to gain the perspective we need for this week to really work for us, we have to understand for those of you that are outside of Christ, for those of you that are unredeemed, the book of the law is open before you and you're falling short. You're condemned. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe you thought life was going on pretty good. But it's the fact, you know, if you go and rob a bank of a million dollars, and on the way out of that bank, you go through five decrepit neighborhoods, and you give all that million dollars away, and a week later the police catch you, do they say, well, you know, you distribute it nicely, you're good to go. No. You go to jail because you broke the law. See, we have this notion in our mindset that as long as my, my good works outweigh the bad works, I'm good to go. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry to tell you if you've been misinformed. If you broke the law, you're condemned. Maybe you didn't realize the state that you were in. I have a short story I want to share with you that drove that point home to me in a very graphic way. For some of you that are queasy, I apologize in advance. Driving home from a dinner out with my wife one evening, she and I were in the car, and on rare order, it was a, a very, I guess it had rained that day in northern Arizona, or central Arizona, and it was... Um, 
kind of steamy. A lot of steam rising off the ground. It was dark, and as I pulled into the neighborhood, I saw some commotion about a half mile down the road, and I, I couldn't tell what it was. I just saw the colored lights of a police, and I was not sure what was going on. I was about to continue down the road, knowing that the police were there and they were handling things. I have no uh, need to stop and, and get involved. And yet, something caught my eye. As I looked down the road, there was something coming down the road towards me. A silhouette in the dark of night, illuminated from behind. It was a horse. And it was walking slowly down the center of the road. And I quickly surmised that this horse maybe was part of that accident because it's not typical on a paved road to have a horse walking at night um, without a rider on it, especially down the middle of the road. I got out of the car and uh, my wife called 911 just to make sure everyone was there that needed to be and I walked down the road backwards with my walking backwards facing the horse knowing that it had probably been spooked and maybe thrown from the vehicle that it was in. And as I walked kind of trying to soothe the horse, I wasn't sure what to do. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert horseman like some of you are. And I was nervous that this horse might be injured and may not react well to a stranger coming up to it. So I continued walking down the road, working my way towards the center of the road, easing towards the horse to try to calm it down to, to stop it from walking. And in a few glimmers of light, it came closer to me. I saw it had uh, some injury to its shoulder and its, its hindquarters. And then a car came down the road behind me with its lights directly on the horse. And as I got to the front of the horse, it was a few feet away, a woman came with a halter in her hand. She had nothing to do with the horse other than she was a horsewoman and knew that this horse needed help. And she and I came to the front of the horse and stopped the horse from walking. And it was only then that the lights illuminated the horse well and I could see the extent of his injury. And I looked at his neck and saw a wound, and I'm not exaggerating at all when I say it was six inches wide, six inches deep, and the full length of his neck, an enormous gash. And I saw arterial blood squirting out. And I looked on the road and I saw it was a pathway along the road as he had just walked. She put the halter on the horse and took it to the side of the road. I thought about that horse for days, presuming it had to be put down for the extent of its injuries. Those that I saw were horrific. And I thought about that horse, and I thought how sometimes that's the way that I am. And maybe, maybe sometimes that's the way that you are. And I know for sure that those of you that are outside of Christ, that is for sure the way that you are right now. You're the walking dead. And you may not even know it. Blood is gushing from a mortal wound and you just keep on walking like somehow it's all right. See, the path that you're on with that kind of injury is the path to the gateway that says, abandon all hope. Ye who enter here, it's that bad. It's that serious. And you need to know it. When you broke the law, just like when I broke the law, there's another book that has to be considered. It's not the book of the law. 
It's a book of works. Kind of related to the law. Because that book is where the Lord writes down the works that you do on this earth. The good, the indifferent, and the evil. That book's not open yet. That's reserved for Judgment Day. But the Lord is actively writing in it. He wrote in it last week. He wrote in it this week. He wrote in it today. And see, once again, there's some people who think that as the Lord opens that book on that great final judgment day, he'll look at the good, he'll look at the bad, and as long as there's enough good to balance it out, you're good to go. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. If evil is found in that book, if sinful works are found in that book, you find yourself on a desolate shore. More desolate than you can even imagine. See, you've been abandoned there because you took on sin. God is perfect. God can have no part of sin. And when you took on sin in your life and you actively participated in sin, you consigned yourself, you placed yourself, you dismissed yourself to a desolate, desperate shore. And there you have been abandoned. And there is no hope on that shore so long as you stay there. You may not realize how desperate your plight is. And you may not realize the length that one person has gone to find a way to take you off that shore. I want to share with you a story that's true. That's going to give you a little taste of abandonment and desolation. And I want you to remember this story just so that you remind yourself, if you're unredeemed, of just how bad things are right now. Because if you don't understand that, all these messages about the books being opened are not going to have the necessary impact on you. Ernest Shackleton was a merchant marine. Born in the late 1800s. An intrepid sailor. A brave man. A stocky man. A tough man. A fair man. He was invited in his late 20s to participate in an expedition to be the first group to reach the South Pole. It was 1908. He went there with Robert Scott and one other gentleman, a physician. And they went pretty far, but their planning was not good enough. It's a tough place, Antarctic. Pretty cold. They had to turn back. Almost lost their lives. Seven, year la seven years later, that was actually 1901, I'm sorry. In 1908, seven years later, Ernest Shackleton thought... He could do it better. Put together a crew. 
better dogs, better sleds, better planning. Got to within 100 miles of the South Pole. Recognized the situation they were in and turned back. Almost lost their lives. Two years later, Robert Scott went this time without Shackleton. Was racing to get to the pole against the Norwegians. Norwegians had a better plan. Got there first. Planted their pole for Norway. Right into the South Pole. Robert Scott got there a few days later, saw the sled marks in the snow, disheartened, planted his flag, turned back, never made it home. All five died on the Arctic. Story's not over. Shackleton needed some kind of accomplishment. So in 1914, he purchased a boat, the Endurance, built for crushing ice. It's made out of wood back in those days. Wood on his sides was approximately two and a half feet thick at points. Made out of some tough wood. Got a crew together of about 28 men. Left August 8, 1914. November 1914, got to South Georgia Island, one of the last outposts of humanity in the Arctic Sea down there got their final provisions, and departed for the Antarctic. Their plan was to be the first group of men on foot to to traverse that entire frozen continent for Britain, for glory, for fame. They departed on November 1914 from South Georgia Island, By October, I'm sorry, by January 15th, they found themselves just 80 miles from the shore of the Antarctic, and they found themselves stuck in the pack ice. The ice gets thicker and denser. They were warned that it was worse than ever that year, but they went anyways. And 80 miles from where they were going to disembark and cross the Antarctic, they were stuck in pack ice. That was January 1915. That boat sat there until October. See, but the crazy thing about pack ice is it doesn't just sit there. It moves. Giant, huge slabs of ice, they move. Over that time from January to October, they shifted 500 miles away from shore. Frozen solid. Surviving on what they could find. Now, October came, and they were hoping with the breakup of the ice, October springtime, with the breakup of the ice, they would find a little place where they could get in that ship and start going. But the problem is, as the ice melts, it moves and it heaves, and they had placed an encampment upon the ice about 100 yards from the ship, and that October, something terrible happened. The ice destroyed the ship. They could hear it cracking that massive boat into pieces. And on the 27th of October, Captain Shackleton said, Abandon ship. From October to April, they camped out on the ice and they drifted further. Finally, late April, winters are coming. 
the ice had broken it up enough, they took their three small life rafts that they had dragged with them, boarded them, and in seven days it took them to find a small uninhabited island, just rock and snow, some walruses, elephant seals and penguins, not a speck of grass or plantation grew on that island. Of course, landing on that island was an ordeal. It was a blizzard that came, and they couldn't even see the island to land on it. Treacherous rocks all around, but they finally made it to this island. An island of utter desolation, of utter hopelessness. They took two of the smaller boats, turned them upside down and formed little huts, and Shackleton determined he needed to do something to save these men. So he and five others took the largest boat, which was only 22 feet long, covered it with some skins and tarps, fabricated some sail masts, and they decided to go on a journey back to South Georgia Island, 800 miles away, with rudimentary navigation equipment, slim supplies, and a hope they could save the day and save the 22 men they were leaving behind. They departed. And 15 days later, after experiencing unbelievable, horrible weather, this is the roughest ocean on the planet, I'm told. Waves so large they had never, these guys were all seamen, waves like they had never seen before. They finally made it close to South Georgia Island. And as they got close, a hurricane came and almost tore their boat apart. They had long since been out of water, fresh water. Their mouths were parched, their energy gone, and a hurricane was blowing so badly that other boats much greater in size went down in the ocean. And somehow they made it to a part of the island that was far away from where it was inhabited. They landed their boat and now found that they had to traverse 22 miles as the crow flies to the other part of the island where people lived, where help was. So the three of them didn't take sleeping bags, had tattered clothes and worn out boots, three days worth of supplies they took with them, and they traversed to heights of 5,000 feet. At one point, they had to descend quickly. They knew that if they stayed at 5,000 feet, they would die. So they took the rope coil that they had, and they sat on that coil like a sled and went down 1,300 feet. And after I don't even know how many days, April, it was May 13th, no, May 10th, They finally walked into the village. And the first children that saw them ran from them because it looked so scary. Covered in soot, filthy clothes, stinking to high heaven. When they walked in, no one recognized them, and the man said, My name is Shackleton. And a man just turned from the room and wept, knowing that it had been months and months, almost two years since they departed on this journey. Couldn't believe that they were still alive. And Shackleton's only thought was, I've been through so much, but I've got to get back to the island of desolation. Elephant Island, where 22 souls may yet still be living. Three days later, barely recuperated himself. They left, 
got to within 100 miles, had to turn back, too much ice. Another attempt, had to turn back. Another attempt, had to turn back. People were weary, weary of this guy saying, we got to get back there. It's too late. They're gone. Abandon them. There's no hope. And finally, a Chilean guy said, here, use my tugboat. It's not meant for this, but go. On the 25th of August, more than two years later, the tugboat pulled in to the bay on an elephant island. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? 22 sailors! emerged bursting from that little hovel that they lived in, stinking with penguin feces for months on end, frozen cold. And they ran to see their salvation. The boats came ashore, took them off. Shackleton didn't even want to get off to see their place. Let's get out of here. Let's go back to safety. And they all went on the boat. And they all went home. My friend outside of Christ, you find yourself today on the shores of desolation. Abandoned, you thought. Abandoned completely from all hope. All of your efforts will not get you off that island. All of your good works will not save you. You're hopeless. You're abandoned. And then a ship pulls in for your rescue. Here at Eastern Camp, night after night, the ship will pull in. The life raft will come to shore and you have to ask yourself a question. With arterial blood gushing from your neck and hopelessness on the shore, what are you going to do? Chapter 55 in Isaiah. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself and fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that knowest that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee, because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while yet he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Like if the wicked forsake. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked abandon his way. And the righteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. You were abandoned on that shore because you separated yourself from God. And that the Lord saw fit, 
much more than Shackleton ever did, to do what needed to be done to get back to that forsaken shore, to get back to those abandoned sailors. The Lord Jesus, do you remember before his death, he went up to the mountain to pray, took three disciples and said, pray with me. He went to pray, he came back, they were sleeping. He was abandoned in his moment of need. He persevered. On the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Abandoned again. That's the lengths that he went to take you from off of that shore. He abandoned his will. He abandoned his comfort. He came back to the shore. And oh, are you going to stand there and say, I'm not sure it's for me. I like these rocks. I like the penguin dung. I like the ice. I like the lack of provision. It's just that serious. It really is. You need to see it. They're going to be open, those books. You're going to be found wanting. The only hope is to get on that vessel. And I want to make something really clear. The vessel is not Norwegian Cruise Lines. This might be scary for some of you. The vessel is not a cruise ship. The vessel is something akin to a Coast Guard cutter. See, because when you get on the boat, as you abandon that shoreline, the Lord says, only come on if you're willing to seek abandonment here. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The Lord is asking you to abandon yourself in him. To put away those notions that you have of your own life to put away those ideas that you have of where you're going, to put off those ideas that God is here to make me comfortable. He's not. He's here to make you strong, to save you and create you to a purpose that is higher than the ones that you can even dream of. This Coast Guard cutter is not necessarily an easy life. Christianity is not for the weak. He can take someone that's weak and build them into something strong. He needs you to be a warrior for him. Not begging all the time for comfort like I do so often. He says, be a warrior. Stand up. Abandon yourself like I did. Abandon yourself. Abandon your life. That's what it takes to higher purpose. Verse 8, continuing in the 55th chapter of Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And he said unto them, this is in Luke 18, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, or the kingdom of for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting.
No one likes to abandon their will. It's exceedingly uncomfortable. And Satan will always come to you saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's too hard. It's not good for you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and our God and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The book of life is where the Lord writes the names of those who have not done good works to undo the bad. No, to, to write the name of those who have left that desolate shore and abandoned themselves into the service on his ship. And I want you to realize that the book of life has a space for everyone in this room. There's a space there. And it will either be filled in with your name, written by the hand of God, or it will be left blank. For no other name can fill that space. A lot of rumblings in the Middle East. I'm not here to tell you that the world is coming to an end soon, but who knows? It's time to recognize where you are. It's time to understand the concept of these books, the importance of these books, and the reality of your situation. And the challenge this week that I have for you is simple. Abandon. Reckless abandon, perhaps. Eternal abandon. Hopeful abandon. Committed abandon. Purposeful abandon. Abandon!